Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in the CIM Marketing Podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the companies they work for. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. And today we are going to be discussing about how we can do more good when we're going out into business in order to make money and do good with it. And we've got a fantastic guest with us today, Miss Amy Williams, who is Chief Executive and founder of Good Loop. Amy, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. What a fabulous intro. You're joining us from New York of all places, aren't you? Why are you, what, are you what are you there for? I uh, I moved here in January to launch our US office and it's been it's been a wild ride. It's a, it's a fun city. Do, do you miss England much or I do, you know. I I uh, I'm actually going back next week and I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be only my second time back since I moved. Uh, I miss more than anything, I miss the tea. Oh, oh the tea. You'd think they would have done something about that now. I know. It's like New York, New York is the city of plenty, and yet still the tea tastes like nuts piss. Yeah, nuts piss. There's a niche there for somebody who wants to do something about it. No to, mm. to our audience, I hope. I think you might be onto something. Yeah, no, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I know what you mean, by the way. I know what you mean you do miss it when you're out there. Um, good <laughs> loop. Good loop. It is not your ordinary business, is it? What is it? <laughs> uh, so we help big brands do good. We yeah. help brands do good in easy and scalable ways. And um, we have a suite of different products that basically connect a brand with a cause and then help kind of use that to, to drive business results. So uh, a great example, let's say let's say you're on The New York Times and you're going to watch a video. Good Loop will buy that ad slot before the video and you can skip it. There'll be a skip button. You can press skip at any time. But if you don't, if you choose to sit on your hands and not press that tempting skip button, you unlock a donation funded by the advertiser and you get to choose the cause or the charity that it goes to. So simply by giving a little bit of your precious time and attention, you get to do good for free. And in exchange, the advertiser gets much higher engagement rates on their ad. They get much fewer people pressing that skip button. And of course, it's an active view you've chosen to watch. So it's a much more positive and respectful ad experience. It's just about doing good at scale, really, doing good in really easy ways. So let me get this straight in my head. So an ad pops up in front of me. Uh, it can be an ad theoretically for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by agreeing, and I have to take a proactive decision to watch it, if I get through to the end of that ad, and I don't know how long these ads are, presumably 60 seconds, 80 seconds, 90 seconds, something of that order, I get to then choose a micro donation goes to a charity of, that I can choose from. There's, a, there's several charities that I can choose from, and I get to choose which one. Is that right? That's exactly it. And we'll work with the brand to curate that list of charities so it's really relevant to the brand. You know, that we want the causes to be really aligned to the brand purpose, really Ah. authentic for that business. So there'll be a selection of causes, but it'll be a curated list based on the brand. Give me an example of an aligned donation to a brand. Okay, I have a a personal favourite one uh, recently, which is the brand Vanish. Oh, yeah. The Wreck-It brand. And it's a a pretty boring product, right? It's stain remover. No, yep. it's not. Uh, it's not going to light the world on fire, but it's a very iconic brand. It's got that big, powerful pink. It's got, you know, the, 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 that's amazing brand recognition. And 
Vanish did a lot of research into the role of clothes in different people's lives. And they came across this fantastic insight that 73% of autistic people rely on their clothes to help regulate their emotions and their senses. For people with autism, their clothes are a really important part of how they create a sense of security and create a sense of calm. So right. this beautiful insight and, you know, the fact that Vanish is all about protecting clothes, helping them last longer, giving your clothes kind of longer life. So that insight created this fantastic alignment between Vanish and uh, Ambitious About Autism, which is a fantastic charity that work with the autistic community, with people on various uh, you know stages of the spectrum to help them you know, adapt, live brilliant, full lives, find opportunities. Uh, and, and, all, and all those sorts of things. So that was a great example of it's very clear why the brand is acting in this space. It's very clear why the product aligns. But then it's a bigger, more ambitious, more beautiful story than just stain removal. So I'm, I'm getting a triple benefit here then. I'm, I, this is what I'm quite liking about this model is I'm getting a benefit for the, the consumer, the viewer, because he or she uh, gets to make a donation at the end of watching an ad, which, let's be honest, most people don't watch ads for leisure, but th this gives us a real benefit at the end. We get a benefit, obviously, for your business because you've got a USP, a really interesting model, which is a different way of advertising, a different way of marketing ad goods. But there's also an additional benefit, is there not, for the brands in terms of better engagement? They get yeah, exactly. alignment, but also get a better engagement as well. Is that right? That's exactly it. I mean, uh, a great example, uh, we, we work with the PepsiCo brand Doritos and they have this fantastic brand platform called Solid Black. And it's all about celebrating and amplifying black culture. It's a really, really beautiful campaign. And uh, they created this video at the heart of the, of the campaign, this gorgeous video that sort of is a manifesto to that mission. And they put it out on the internet. And obviously the goal is get people to watch it. They know that ad drives engagement. They know that ad is going to drive purchase. They've researched it to death, of course. So all we need to help them do is just get as many people as possible to watch the ad. So we ran it in a watch to donate format. If you don't skip, you unlock a donation. And then we curated the, the list of charities to be kind of local grassroots change makers working in the black community. And we saw 80 percent of people complete the video. So 80 percent of people chose right. not to skip and complete the video. So that's you know to your point. It's just that really lovely sort of double benefit. Well, I mean, I made it a triple for the yeah. consumer oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. as well, because she, he or she gets to choose where the where the charitable donation gets them. So there, I made it a triple benefit. What sorts of amounts of money are we talking about that you raise for these charities through this model then? So I started Good Loop in 2017. And so over the past seven years, we've raised just shy of eight million dollars actually i think we've Goodness already screen. passed eight million yeah so we've oh. raised about eight million dollars for for all sorts of charities and really it is all sorts it's you know turtle nest mapping projects with the wwf it's human rights campaigns with amnesty international it's tree planting with the nature conservancy like you name it i mean we've worked with i think 350 charities at this point um and it's one of the things i'm really proud of actually because you know for the charities if we want to add a fourth benefit <laughs> oh the yeah please do the corporate partners are such a big part of how they uh, fundraise and how they, they they support themselves the corporate partnerships that they have often what i see is that it's really hard for them to activate it a great example is um tesco have a big big partnership with 
cancer research, but it mainly manifests as like, you know, run for life and shaking buckets in store, maybe a maybe a a, a collection. So it's very it's very archaic, the tools that corporate has to support a charity. And so this has been a really nice thing to engage on the charity side to help them elevate and amplify the fantastic corporate partnerships that they have. Mm-hmm. Is there any theme to the charities that you, you work with? Is, you know, is there any sort of sort of umbrella that one could put over them that links them all together? Um, I'd definitely say there are some interesting sort of geographical themes. So, for example, in the UK, our most common theme is sort of conservation or, right. or, or, or some sort of charity that's sort of focused on the planet. The environmental awareness of the UK consumer is is very high and, and, and across Europe, actually. Whereas in the US, I would say the number one thing we get asked about and we work on is diversity and inclusion. Right. And actually the awareness of like racial tensions and, and the importance of equity and civil rights. That's something that's much higher in the in the American psyche. So it's really interesting to see how these sorts of changes in the the geography affect how brands sort of want to lean into different issues. CIM membership will help support and inspire you at every stage of your marketing career. Sign up now for a range of exclusive benefits, including access to our monthly webinars. Find out more at cim.co.uk forward slash membership. Would you consider any charity that's doing a good cause? Or do, you, or do you see those sort of areas of diversity and and and, and planet? So ESG, I suppose, broadly, you could mm. catch them as, uh, as sort of your metier. Or would you consider working with other, other sorts of charities? Oh, yeah, we do all sorts. I mean, globally, our biggest sector is health. Um, right. I mean, that, that Ambitious About Autism is a great example of that. Um, so, yeah, we, we do all sorts. So it's, mm. a, it's an open church. How did you get into it? <laughs> well, I've always worked in advertising and I've always loved it. Advertising is the most fabulous industry in the world. It's got creativity and interesting business problems. And that intersection of the two is, I think, pretty unique. Um, I've always loved this industry. I've always wanted to do something I'm proud of and build something, you know, that, that I feel will leave the world a little bit better than I found it. And um, and Goodloop came about. Basically, I, I, I quit my job. Um, I was working at Ogilvy and I quit my job in a on, on a bit on a little bit of an impulse didn't really have a plan um and I ended up in Argentina I ended up traveling a bit I, I did a course in entrepreneurship in Chile obviously <laughs> and then uh, I ended up in Argentina at this Commodore which is it's like a, a soup kitchen um but for just for kids under 15 and I was just you know I could barely string together a sentence in Spanish so I was mainly just pot wash but um but I I had an amazing time there and and one of the things that really struck me about it was their capacity to do good with so little you know their weekly budget was ten dollars and that ten dollars would would feed 40 kids for a week you know and and you think well you can feed 40 kids for for a tenner and I just quit a job where we were spending multiple millions of dollars every day on eyeballs, on eyeballs yeah. on the internet. And I think that discrepancy between, you know, the half a trillion dollars sloshing around in Mark Zuckerberg's pocket to the yeah. $10 that can feed 40 kids, it felt like you don't have to tap into much of our industry to do a lot of good because our, our industry is so big and so influential. 
It's interesting. A couple of things there is that you can do quite a lot with a little if you put it in the right areas. And the yeah. second thing, how do you get a multiplier effect? You know, if you're starting off with this seed funding, how could you make that create wealth elsewhere? And it's really interesting, isn't it? How organisations which you've cited manage to get that sort of multiplier effect, get an enhanced effect from starting off with quite a small seed. Um, you must have hit some challenges, though, when you're trying to go out with this. It is very innovative. It's very novel. You must have hit some bumps in the road. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple. <laughs> um, I think starting out, the big challenge was trying to get this balance between the social mission and the business benefits. And, and it's a lesson I constantly have to keep learning is to be quite disciplined with myself. The reason I love my business isn't the reason a customer is going to buy our product. They're different yeah. things. And that, especially as a founder, it, it, it's quite hard to get your head around. I constantly go into meetings and we'll just talk for hours about the amazing turtle nest mapping project that we just funded and, and why we've helped that brand do good. And I'm talking to media planners and buyers, you know, sat with a budget and KPIs and a client brief going, well, this doesn't fit in my business plan. This isn't answering any of my objectives. It's a lovely meeting. Amy's made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, but I'm not going to give her any money. And even if they do, they're not going to buy it twice if you can't articulate why it helped move the needle for their business. That's the mm. thing I have to constantly come back to is the, the business benefit of doing good not the emotional benefit so I often struggle with that balance you know for example with my sales team the charitable donations and the social impact is our USP it is our differentiator and so it's crazy to not talk about it if we, if we just went in and talked about video completed view rates we'd sound like every other vendor so, yeah. so we have to talk about it but it's just trying to make sure you don't you don't lose the reason why the benefit versus the how you know that is fascinating. So you, you sort of had to become a little bit more hard edge while still yeah. reminding yourself that you've got this differentiation. It's interesting what you were saying just now, because it doesn't do you much good to keep emphasising the ESG benefit of doing business. What you're trying to do instead is to emphasise the business benefit, the commercial benefit of doing the ESG. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and actually, it's the thing I'm most passionate about. I mean, I love working with the charities. I love, you know, that we've given a load of money. But really, for me, the, the, the thing that's really interesting about Good Loop is that our entire existence is about proving the ROI of doing good. Mm. That's what I want to be known for. You know, that's the thing I want to have hanging on my wall at the end of the day. That's the thing I want I want to achieve. That's a great sort of core strategy for the businesses, for the B2B part of the strategy, for the B2C part of the strategy. How are you getting consumers to hang on to your ads longer? What is it about them that makes them hang on so they can get to that point at the end where they can distribute the money? So we have a couple of different engagement mechanics. So we have watch to donate, which we've talked about, which is about you know not skipping. And in that example, we have a little countdown timer um, and we combine oh, yeah. that with some padlocks. So it's very visual language that sort of immediately communicates, wait for this amount of time for these things to unlock. So that, that's been something we've really refined over the years. Then we have Listen to Donate in partnership with Spotify. We have uh, Scan to Donate, which is our TV uh, format. We have um, Swipe Up to Donate on Instagram Stories. So there's lots of different ways you can 
unlock the donation but it's really about creating that dopamine hit you know that moment where you you get the reward you get to do good and then you get to choose the charity you make it sound so simple amy when you <laughs> to, to also just, you know you sort of one sitting here thinking but well, why doesn't everybody do this why doesn't everybody come up with a business model an idea which has commercial benefit which has engagement benefit which has charitable or esg benefit if it's so simple as amy williams is telling us why aren't we all doing it? A little bit, a little bit greyer at the end of it, but yeah, I mean, it is. I do think that you know, to today, you can't really build a business without a mission. Like when you look at all of the big brands in the world, it's very, very rare that you find a brand that doesn't stand for something. You know, we expect businesses to step up. We are citizens as well as consumers. We expect businesses to support us through the pandemic or pull out of Russia after the invasion of Ukraine. Like there are, there is this constant bleeding between the commercial world and, and our society so it's sort of unacceptable to not I'd say. But is that enough is that enough to persuade more more businesses to do it do you think? Well there's lots of different factors like ESG you mentioned um, just before the sort of ESG framework is increasingly becoming something shareholders are expecting to see so that's another sort of interesting uh, push from sort of top down. You know, these these organisations not only are, are consumers demanding it, but shareholders. I mean, something like thirty trillion dollars are in some way linked to ESG investment, and there's three trillion just in ESG funds. So there's a lot of money sloshing around. If you can justify and measure and be accountable to your social goals, there's a lot of money in it. Mm, there is. I mean, do you think that the industry's marketing and advertising specifically? can either consciously or subconsciously put barriers in the way to this sort of stuff? Are they built, are they structured in such a way that makes this sort of combined commerce and ESG thinking viable? Interesting. I mean, I do struggle a bit sometimes with that. I worry that's the case sometimes. I certainly, you know, advertising is built on consumption mm. and our traditional model of consumption is terrible for the planet terrible it, it's unsustainable in a very real sense it just it, it, it cannot go on and so I do sometimes have these moments of just worrying that our industry and our framework of consumption isn't going to be able to evolve quick enough and isn't going to be able to keep up with this new world we have to create but then there are examples where you know, advertising can reframe some of the eco living decisions <laughs> like a great example is um burger king so in in multiple markets burger king sort of flipped their menu so if you ordered a whopper then you you but default got the beyond burger the the vegan uh, before I say this, I should say there are other brands of burgers and vegan burgers available, but Beyond Burger is an <laughs> uh, extraordinary product. I mean, uh, it, it, I'm sure there are many other extraordinary vegan products, but the taste profile of it is quite extraordinary. And so I'm interested to hear this anecdote. This is the thing, you know, advertising is, isn't a magic bullet, but once the product's good, what advertising can do is architect desire around mm. the product and create so a new behaviour. So they so flip they the menu. It. Yeah. And so if happened? you if you wanted a beef burger, you had to specifically ask for for meat. Um, ah. So so it, it you know it just it, it just slightly changes the decision and and takes meat off the default, which I think is really really interesting. Another example is let's say Airbnb. You know, 
it's a great example of the sharing economy. You don't need to own a house in Paris, let's say. You can borrow someone else's. And that's created just as much advertising, just as much revenue for, for marketers, just as much revenue for shareholders. But it's not about a single straight line consumption. It's about a closed loop. It's a circular consumption. It's interesting while you've been saying this, I've been thinking about that word consumption and consumer. It It sort of prompts ideas of taking away or you know destroying yeah, um, does, yeah whereas whereas a lot of what we're trying to sell nowadays actually is sharing or borrowing or utilizing something yeah. isn't it uh, and, and yeah. perhaps you know the way that the industries are reshaping but perhaps sometimes slower than some of us would like because their provenance comes from this idea of consumerism consuming stuff rather than utilizing things sharing and borrowing things yeah, but that's that's the potential our industry has. If we really put our minds to it, advertising is the industry that could change that. You know, mm. I mean, you look at the the rates of um, death through lung cancer after cigarette companies were stopped from being able to advertise. It dropped yeah. off a cliff within yeah. within the course of five years. The, the the rates of lung cancer in the US it almost went to zero. From, from cigarette use. The graph is, is astounding to look at. And mm. it's, a, it's a scary graph, really, when you think about it, because it shows you how much power advertising has, but it also shows you how much power we have. Like, we can yeah. use that to kind of reshape how we think about consumption. Yeah, we've got power in our hands. It's an important message. Come on, Amy, we've got lots of people listening to this today will be thinking, I want to try to do something like Good Loop. I want to do a, a business that uh, makes money and does good. Can you share some insights, some secret tips, three tips, if you like, of what people who want to go into this sort of thing should be looking to do? Well, the first thing I always say, if anyone wants to start a business, is just start talking about it. I've met so many people that say, oh, I've got an idea, but I can't tell you yet. (laughs) And I get it, right? You don't, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily feel ready to put it out in the world maybe you don't have the words yet you know maybe you don't want people to to, to copy it well I was going to say people are fearful that it's going to be stolen aren't they that's why they don't like to vocalize it do you know do you know the secret though the, the secret unspoken reality under that no one gives a shit about your idea everybody's thinking about their own idea honestly the amount of energy and effort and love you need in order to get an idea to reality only you have that for your idea no one else does I think it it underestimates how hard it's going to be to think that someone could just copy it. So anyway, I I would say start talking to people because the minute I started, I started buying people coffees and saying, look, I'll just take you for a coffee. I just want to tell you about this thing I'm thinking about. And, you know, I developed a pretty healthy caffeine addiction, but I got so much good advice from those sessions. And at the end of every coffee, you always say one question. Who else should I speak to? And so each coffee, you get one new introduction and then one new introduction. And within six months, you've built this amazing, incredible network. And I guess that's my second piece of advice is as a founder, your network is your value. You know, The people you know, the relationships you build, the trust that people have in you, because your product is probably going to be rubbish for the first couple of years. And like, you, you know, it'll go wrong and things won't work. And and if you've got people that trust you and back you, so thinking about really consciously and intentionally building a network is crucial. Um, and then I guess the final one, my third piece of advice is really invest in storytelling. Right. Storytelling is easy to dismiss. 
but if you have a good story and if it's a social business if it's a business with a mission or a purpose or some sort of impact then this story will be easy to write if you have a story that inspires people and that gives people a way to see how they can be a part of your story how they could be in the next chapter then it's like a gravity it pulls people in it pulls in investors it pulls in talent it pulls in customers your story is the thing that will create momentum and create a gravity around your business so what did you do when you when you you had this brainchild it was somewhere inside you in your head somewhere <laughs> all those years ago 2016 2015 when you were thinking about it you mm. then started to talk about it you weren't so concerned that people were going to nick it you actually said I'm just going to tell everybody about this I want to speak to when you got to the point where you thought you know what this could be real mm. what was the story that you told to people? Because people have, in my experience, famously short attention spans. You know, if you're unable to tell that story quickly and easily and succinctly in a few seconds, they'll switch off and listen to somebody else's story. What was the story you were telling them? Well, it's not one story. That's the thing. It's like it's like a Lego set. I've got different elements of the story. And depending on the context, I'll use different Lego bricks. So I told you earlier about when I was in Argentina and I, and yeah. I saw them, how, how much good they could do with so little. That's one Lego brick. That's one piece. Then I've got another bit of the story that's about my time at Ogilvy and, and some of the clients I worked on and how that inspired me because they were uh, brands that were doing good and, and becoming very, very successful because of it. That's another Lego brick. And that one I didn't use today. But in a client meeting, that one I might maybe use instead of the Argentina bit. So like, mm. it's not like it's one story. It's like a patchwork. And in, and I think the, the true art of storytelling is is crafting in the moment the best combination. Yeah, it's interesting. When did you think it's this is all going to click? You must have had a moment where you thought that it had gone from a sort of desire, a dream, to mm. a reality. When did you realise it was a reality? Hmm. I mean, you eat an elephant in chunks, don't you? Like, it's, it's sort mm. of, I feel like the, the frog that doesn't realise it's getting boiled alive. <laughs> like ah, but it one day, you just, but... <laughs> one day you look back and you go, oh, I think I've built a business. Yeah. I guess there's so many little milestones. Like the first time I got investment, quite early in the journey, we were accepted onto an accelerator programme called Collider. That's a, they focus specifically on advertising startups. So it was this brilliant network of of ex-advertising people, you know, that made their money and, and wanted to be angels and wanted to support the industry. So that that was a moment where it really started to feel real because it had other people believing in it. You know, another big milestone is the first client. Uh, or, or the first time you see one of your ads in the world, like actually wow. on an ad on a on a web page, I'll never forget that moment. Or the mm. first person I hired, um, that felt very very significant. So there's there's so many wonderful little milestones, and I guess psych psychologically, as you're building a business, the risk can be overwhelming. The risk, the fear, the 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 uncertainty, and for me, the the coping mechanism was to always focus on that next little milestone. Mm. It won't have been a waste if I achieved this. It won't be so bad if I achieve that. Even if I fail, now I know I've achieved this. So just constantly trying to think about little milestones. It's eating it an elephant in chunks. Yeah, you eat an elephant in chunks and it's there now. And the fantastic business it is. Very inspiring. I've got, I've got an elephant. 
<laughs> you got an elephant, a full one, a fully grown, full, complete elephant. And it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's also been fantastic having you on the show, Amy. It's been a very inspiring listen and a conversation with you, not just for me, but I'm sure all of our audience out there who will be thinking about whether they can do something similar and try to do some good while doing business in the order that you frame it. My only other question before I let you go is, will you come back on the show, perhaps on the panel? Because it's been great to hear from you. And we'd like to do more along these sorts of lines in future. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Honestly, it's been so, so lovely to chat. And it's really nice to be able to, to tell my story. Oh, it's been great hearing your story. That's Amy Williams, who is Chief Executive and Founder of Good Loop. Thank you very much, Amy. We'll see you again on the podcast, I hope, someday very soon. Cool. Thank you so much. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. CIM Marketing Podcast.